when we get stressed out, we get really tense and everything else, we're going hard, we can't think straight. What happens physiologically is we don't breathe very well. One of the techniques I was taught, it's something called fox walking. It allows you to relax yourself by shifting your brain waves. Welcome to Upon Arrival, a show that uncovers stories and strategies that make up all the moving parts of business events tourism with me, Adelaine Ng. You've joined me for part two of my interview with Scott Stein, a leadership hacker and consultant who has been sought after by companies like American Express, Westpac, Habitat for Humanity, and also top executives in the business tourism and events industry. If you missed part one of this interview in the previous episode, Scott covered things like how to find your rhythm at work if you're still struggling to navigate the new hybrid work world, and why the worst thing you can do with your inbox is to start at the top, i.e. probably the first email you see. In this episode, Scott and I shift that conversation to look at some industry trends that he's been noticing for those of us in the event space. And that hack Scott learned from Native American Apaches called foxwalking that can shift your brain waves and give you instant calm. I would definitely stay tuned for that. Here's part two, and once again, apologies for my really hoarse voice at the time of the recording, recovering from the flu. Scott, you owned a conference and team building company. I think that might have been your first Australian company that you owned. Yeah. What were, I mean, did you see unique leadership and team issues that you were seeing the industry make? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and I think the industry's gone through so many changes. If I go back 10 years ago, annual conferences, the three-day junkets were really popular, right? We're going to do the three-day. And what did I notice? Even pre-COVID, it got whittled down, whittled down, whittled down, and we do one day, right? So that means for a lot of conference event organizers, it's one day in and out really quick, maybe a dinner the night before, right? They have the conferencing and then they're flying out or some people are staying on depending on the area. What I'm starting to hear now is a lot of people are going, no, 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 no. We want our people to spend more time together. In fact, I'm getting inquiries for clients right now that are going next year. Instead of doing the one day, we want at least two or three, right? We want our people to have that shared experience from across everywhere so they can get together. And I think from a beds perspective, that's going to create some amazing opportunities. I think the trick is going to be right now with the pains that we're having with airfare, a little bit of COVID uncertainty still. A lot of people going, well, should we or shouldn't we? Should we or shouldn't we? And I think that uncertainty is making it quite challenging. But what I'm hearing from a lot of people are going, you know what? Next year, we should be in a much better position than we were 12 months ago and then beyond. So we're actually going to put that framework to put it in place to actually see if we can make that work, right? And that's what I'm actually starting to notice. I think these are really interesting times. They were, for the most part, an annual exercise though. You know, and you're you know, very familiar with the team building space and these were annual affairs. Yeah. How much, I guess, can team building exercises make a difference? I think now it's even more important, right? The reason why is, you know, that sense of community and belonging, for that to happen, we have to have what's called a shared experience, an experience that you and I both have together in a moment of time that we can reflect on. And it has to be something that was different and unique. You know, if you think about some of your really close friends and you think back over time, what were the moments in time that really got you to be close with them? It wasn't just the things that were always planned. It was things that came out of the blue. You had the shared experience and you laugh about it. Like, for example, when I was here 26, 27 years ago, I was hitchhiking from Canberra to the Snowy Mountains. I was about to go bush, as I mentioned. 
standing on the side of the road hitchhiking and somebody picked me up. We started a conversation. He was an adventure guide going to an adventure guide only weekend, whitewater kayaking. I said, I was a whitewater kayak guide. He said, oh, why don't you spend the weekend with us? I'm going, okay, great. Right now, that was almost 27 years ago. From that experience, they introduced me to my wife, who happened to be a guide as well. In fact, my daughter is going to America to play soccer, and I take her to America next week to speak at some conferences over there and take her over to move her into uni. And last night, we had our going away party, and the person that picked me up on the side of the road 27 years ago, he showed up last night. He's her godfather. you know. And that's an amazing shared experience. And what I find in the workplace, when we're just working all the time, we don't get the shared experiences. It's when we go out and you know, go out and have a funny event happen at a dinner or a conference or the other things that happen that make us actually learn a little bit more about people. Like, oh, you don't have coffee. I didn't really notice that. You're not a coffee drinker, right? Those are the things, the little uniqueness and that actually bonds people together. Yeah. I think you're actually preaching to the choir, but I just, I was actually <laughs> secretly wondering whether we should actually do more than an annual team building. I mean, is that something that would be beneficial? Is that something that actually improves productivity and improves the bottom line for business at the end of the day. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm predicting, I talk about this in the book and I'm starting to see it already, is what's going to happen is they still have the big annual one, but what they're going to do is a lot of businesses are reconfiguring their office layout, right? One, I was fortunate to work with a emerging tier one architect firm called WK Architecture before the pandemic, during it, and still with them. And the big question everybody said is, you know, all the news media said, you know, nobody's ever going to go back into the office in Sydney. It's going to be a ghost town. You know, one of my clients was City of Sydney and they're going, all right, what are we going to, and we know that's not true, right? But what we have found is, let's say they have four floors in the city. What they're doing is they're getting rid of, well, not getting rid of, but one floor, they're turning into collaborative hybrid meeting space, right? So they're going, how do we rejig? So when people are remote, and because they still want people to collaborate and come together, because there's something when we're working together on something where we get that spark of innovation. And, and Zoom's pretty good, but it's not quite the same if you want to do some brainstorming and problem solving and have that true shared experience. So what I notice is a lot of departments are going to do the team building on site. And I reckon they're probably going to do that a lot more often than what they did in the past. But then the company-wide ones are going to be for not just one day, but multiple days, once a year. I'm really happy to hear that. One piece of research in your book scared me a little. As much as we're trying to improve our productivity, more than 50% of businesses say that between half and all of their staff will need to change their skills in the next three years. And that was a 2020 Deloitte research. So already half of that time window is gone. This means any university or college-type education doesn't serve as long-term. We're not learning the right skills for career longevity. So, you know, you've studied leaders around the world and in multiple industries. How do we set ourselves up successfully for the future, no matter what happens? Yeah, a big part of that is our attitude and our mindset. Are we open? Are we looking for ways to continually learn and develop ourselves? Or, I've been doing this job for five years, there's nothing I can learn. Right, I know everything. And I think that's the difference. What I'm noticing is the people that actually have this open-minded approach, willing to continue to learn, are the ones that are flexible enough to keep learning. And they're the ones that are actually going to survive and they're going to advance, right? The ones that get stuck in the ways, right? Right now, they're fine because, again, there's plenty of work, but we know everything's cyclical, right? So I'm predicting, you know, as interest rates go up, things start changing, probably in about 24 months, 
there's not going to be as many jobs, right? So that means employers will have the upper hand again, and they're going to be a bit more pickier on, do you have the capability to actually apply what that knowledge is? Are you open-minded? And can you make things happen? Do you really know how to do it? Or can you just talk really well? And I think that's going to be the important thing for a lot of people moving forward. Yeah. And I think if you start now, that's probably a good way to go. Because if you leave it up to a time where you get the notice saying that your job is at under threat, then that puts you in a panic mode that does not put you in a state of mind where you're able to receive that learning and that ability to pivot into whatever you need to do next. So interesting. I mean, one of the big things in your book as well is using technology. And I'm just wondering, you know, apart from the usual things like Zoom, what are some of the most, I guess, the most effective, maybe just under the radar, not many people know about them, apps or, you know, tech or AI that you recommend that people should check out? Yeah, great question. Here's what we know. When everybody's in the office, it's easy. When everybody's remote, it's easy. But when I've got half of my people in the office and half of the people remote, that's where it's really hard. There's a great piece of tech. I talk about it in the book called the Owl Pro. I'm a massive fan because one of the challenge, I want you to imagine that you've got six people in a boardroom in the office and you've got six people remote. So what do we do? We try and get one of our laptops and turn it around with a camera and they can kind of see the front two people sitting at the board table. They can't really see the other ones. We might try and actually use the LCD screen that has it way over there. So we're like this big and nobody can really see us, right? And then we got the speaker and sometimes the speakers don't work really well. And it's really hard, right? It's really hard for the people in the meeting and it's hard for the people dialing in. What the Owl Pro does is it actually has, it sits in the middle of the six people. It's like a round cylinder. It's got microphones all the way around it. It's got speakers all the way around it but on the top of it. Is that the thing that even looks like an owl? Yeah, it will not. It does it. It, it. it kind of does. But at the top is a 360 degree fisheye, right? So it gives a 360 degree image. And the way that it works is while we're in the boardroom, whenever I talk, it actually takes me and puts me as if I was in a Zoom room and everybody can see me. So rather than people going, all right, who's talking? It actually is if we're all on Zoom, for example, or all on Teams. And it, what it does is it makes it equal and it makes it easy, right? Otherwise, trying to have six people or eight people where I can only hear the one or two that's in the room, everybody else is dialing in remote. They just kind of switch off, right? So for me, I've seen that a number of times. It's one of the best technology kits. And you can use a couple of them if you want to pair them in a room and things like that. So I don't get any commission, uh, but I've just seen it work. And, and it just makes things so much easier when you have these hybrid meetings, which is what everybody's moving to. That's amazing. And you've got a couple more recommendations in your book. So I recommend everybody check out. If you don't get through any of the other brilliant stuff, just even just going through, you know, the tech recommendations, they're really kind of fun to go through. I have to get your native, your neat hacks that you've learned from Native American cultures. I understand that you, you know, how to instantly, you know, turn calmness on. For example, if you're, you happen to be feeling a little bit stressed, you've had a bit of a long day or you've had some big news and you're just trying to process things. But what are some of the top hacks that you've learned from Native American cultures that you think would be so useful to leaders today? Yeah, there's a lot of them. But the one that I think is really practical that anybody can do, if you think about when we get stressed out, we get really tense and everything else, we're going hard, we can't think straight. 
what happens physiologically is we don't breathe very well. We take shallow breaths, right? And we take a shallow breath, you're not getting a lot of the oxygen to help you relax. So one of the techniques I was taught, it's something called fox walking, which is kind of interesting. And what fox walking is, it allows you to relax yourself by shifting your brain waves, right? So we've got four levels of brain waves. Most of us consciously are in the same brain wave, which is the most inefficient brain wave. And you might have heard of athletes, right? So, you know, athletes' state of origin was on and you watch an athlete and they play amazing. And the reporter comes up to him afterwards and says, what allowed you to be so good? And they go, I don't know. I was just in the zone, right? You hear that language. What that means is they shifted the brain waves from alpha to beta, which means it's a higher, higher level of awareness. So I was taught something called fox walking. Pretty simple to do. Generally, what you do is if you can find some area of grass, get your shoes and socks off. So it will take five or 10 minutes. Doesn't take a lot of time though. And essentially what you're going to do is you're actually going to walk and take some deep breaths barefooted. But the difference is you're going to change your sight. So what you do is you put your fingers together in front of you and you move your fingers out, one on your left, one on your right, all the way out just so you can see it. And you go from what's called tunnel vision to wide angle vision. When you do that, you take a couple of breaths and you can actually quite quickly shift your brain waves. What this does, this actually relaxes you. It allows you to think even more clearly. I was taught it by, again, Tom, the Apache scouts used to use it before they go into battle, right? I, I did some work with some Navy SEALs and other groups uh, in the bush when I did some things. And I actually watched them do this technique. And it was as if they were walking, hovering above the ground when they actually used it because they were so physically in tune with themselves. But for us in the real world, in the corporate world, sometimes getting home, just doing that, just kind of walking, taking some deep breaths, go into the wide angle vision, right? And I find within half, half a minute, I can usually shift those brain waves. And then when I come inside, I feel much more relaxed, right? I'm not as angry, all right? I'm a little bit more open-minded and I'm probably the person I should be when I come home. I want to spend that time with my family and my kids. That is a fantastic hack. I'm definitely putting that one on my shelf and it only takes a couple of seconds. I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, you're going to practice it. Right. Cause again, I've practiced it for about 20 years. It might take you a little bit longer when you first start. Right. But now, usually for me, about 30 seconds to a minute, I can shift that brainwave. And I, in fact, I can feel it. The minute you go, it's almost like this warm, this warp that just kind of goes from the head all the way down to the feet. And it just kind of helps you sink down. It's almost like if you've ever had a massage, something like that, there's a little stage where you just go, ah, it's the same thing. Okay, it sounds like this might need a little bit of self-training and it might take a little, little bit longer bit just practice, to get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'm just wondering, Scott, I mean, what, what excites you about the future? There have been so many shifts. I think there's more fear than there is faith about the future at the moment. We haven't been impressed with a lot of leadership, you know, around the world. What are you seeing, I guess, in your futuristic globe where you could see into the future? What excites you? What concerns you? Yeah, I think there's opportunities everywhere. You know, and I think that's the thing. You've got a choice, right? Your mindset and attitude. I can look at the media and go, it's doom and gloom. It's a recession. Oh my God, it's going to be terrible. But we've got to be realistic. Like I'll give you an example. I do a personal balance sheet every six months. So every six months, I look at my assets, my liabilities and everything else. And I happened to see when we had our house, we did, we did a, a reno, which was about nine years ago. 
right? And I happen to have, when I did that nine years ago, my interest rate was 5.35%, right? And that's a normal interest rate. And I'm going right now, right? I'm on a 3.3 or 3.4 and people are freaking out. I'm like, it's actually two percentage points below what it normal is, right? So sometimes we've just got to keep this in perspective and choose to look for the opportunities. You know, for example, during the GMC, I went back to America because I speak in a lot of conferences in America as well. And I was in a place called Dayton, Ohio, and was doing some things. And this is in 2008, saw a house, went, looked at it because I'm always curious to see what's going on with property. Beautiful three-story hardwood in a middle-class neighborhood that I bought for 7,000 US dollars, right? I rented it for $200 per week. And I'm going, that was an opportunity that was there. If you look for these things, they're everywhere, right? The trick is we've got to have the right mindset. So personally, I'm actually quite optimistic. I know it's going to be challenging. I know it's going to be uncertainty, you know, but I look at the conference and events industry in America right now, it's going off, right? I can't wait. Like I fly out on Monday, I'm speaking a number of events over there. They're probably a year ahead of where we are in Australia. They're back to normal, right? You know, yeah, they've had a little bit of dramas with flights over the 4th of July weekend, right? Just like we had some with school holidays here as well. But I'm actually very optimistic of what's going to happen. But I think what that means is we need people to individually step up and be leaders, you know? So be the leader that you can in the community can. You know, we're really active in surf lifesaving. We can be leaders there and help there. Look for what lights you up and find a way to demonstrate your leadership and build a strong community. Because I reckon the stronger our communities are, the stronger we are. Can't agree with you more. And your book, Leadership Hacks, is a hack, I think. <laughs> it's your personal hack to leadership. It's a great book. We're so glad that you read it. You, you wrote it. I mean, this is a second edition written for a post-COVID world. So totally applicable, totally relevant. Scott, I have to ask you, what is your personal favorite productivity app? Oh, geez. It's a really good question. I don't know if I have one. You know, there's so many different things that you can use. For me, it's the camera, right? And most people go, what? The camera? Because what'll happen with my staff, I'll actually map, what are you doing? I'll take a photo of it. And once I take the photo, I'm going to record of it. You can use Evernote to store it or I email it to myself. But for me, just having the camera, because I'm a visual person, I can go back through it, look at it. And that remind me of that shared experience we had as well. So it's not a true app, but it kind of is as well. I agree with you. I mean, information capturing is one of our key challenges. And the easier you can make it, the better, I think. You have, this is not your first book. You've written a whole bunch of books. And we'll list all of them in the show notes and how people can get access to them. But if there was one other book you would recommend on productivity and leadership, what would that be? Oh, great question. On productivity and leadership. I wrote a book before called The Order, which is kind of interesting. That's on leadership. And that has a lot of my Native American training and background in it. So that's more of a leadership one that's quite interesting. But from a productivity perspective, a mate of mine, Dermot Crowley, has written some amazing books around productivity. And I would definitely, definitely recommend him. He's really, really good at looking at some practical things. And he's really big on the computer. So what are the secret hacks that are inside Outlook, right? And he can tell you 101 of those different hacks. So he is absolutely amazing. Does he have a hack for digital clutter as well? <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. 
So he's really big on actually, how do you get rid of a lot of the clutter that you have on your desktop and everything else? And Dermot's just amazing that way. So Dermot Crowley, check him out. I am definitely going to have to look him up. So thank you very much for that. You have a Leadership Hacks community as well. Is this where somebody can join, get more tips? Yeah, yeah. you could join. You can actually go on to Facebook and we post things up there. We do articles. There's downloads on my website, which is at scottstein.com. You can do that. Feel free. Sometimes I actually post out and get on my database and I'll share some really relevant hacks. And again, the book came from, you know, I was talking with clients and I see a great hack that people would do. You know, it was a shortcut. Not only a lot of people did. And I would start sharing them in my training or at my conferences. And one day a client said, can you write a book? It's too hard for you to tell me. And, you know, and that's why the book came about. But I'm always talking to people about little hacks. And quite often, once a week, I actually put that out in an easy as well. People can actually download and find out some other little strategies along the way. Fantastic. More in the show notes for you. So it's going to be a bit of a party in the show notes section. Scott, thank you so much for your time. You have so much to give and we've learned so much from you. So we appreciate what you give to the world. And I know you do a lot of nonprofit things as well. It's a very holistic ecosystem that you have got going. We appreciate you. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Adelaine. And I wish everybody in the events industry the best. Good luck. Great opportunities. Just make it happen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you learned a thing or two, please share the love by leaving a rating and review. And click the follow button if you'd like to be notified when a new episode drops. By the way, if you ever wanted to start a podcast, I have links in the show notes to some of my favorite tools, including Amazon gift cards and discounts. And if you need a hand to find out how to use these tools, reach out and say hello at uponarrivalpodcast at gmail.com. I'll be back again to uncover more stories and strategies for a successful future. Till then, cheers.